Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, Mikkel here. Okay, before we get into today's episode, I want to get some feedback from you, the listener. We're looking at ways that we can take the podcast in new directions, new guests that we want to have on the show, new ideas we want to share with you. So we have a lot of threads going for this at Expat Money Forum, our private Facebook group. If you go to expatmoneyforum.com, you can join the conversation. I want to hear feedback from you guys. What topics have we not covered that you want to hear more of? Do you want to hear more stories from successful expats who have moved offshore? Do you want to hear more business-related stuff, more finance-related stuff? Are you more interested in immigration and visas and passports? Is it the investments or real estate? I want to know what you are interested in. This show is not about me. It is about you guys. It is about all of my amazing listeners and trying to help inspire you and get you the best up-to-date knowledge every single Wednesday when I publish this show. So join the conversation at Expat Money Forum. Let me know what you think, what you want to hear more about, how I can best serve you. It's really important to me to make this show the absolute best in our space. And I think we're off to a really good start. Podcast has been going for over four years now, which is just hard to believe. It seems like just yesterday I started it, and the feedback has been amazing. But there's always room to improve. There's always things we can do better. So share your knowledge, share your expertise, share what you want to hear, share your wants, your desires, your needs, your goals, everything with us at Expat Money Forum. I really appreciate it, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Expat Money Show. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and today's guest is a digital marketing consultant who specializes in sales funnels, targeted traffic, and website conversions. He has consulted with Fortune 500 companies, influencers, and A-list celebrities. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Shane Barker. Shane, how are you doing? Doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. I am too. It took us quite a while to put this interview together, but I'm really stoked to have you here. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes logistics can get in the way, but when all the moons align like this, it's an awesome thing. (laughs) So Shane, why don't you take a couple of minutes and just talk to us a bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are right now. It's so funny. I think I'm in denial about my age because it it always goes into the thing of like, I feel like I've been doing this about 10 years. And then my wife finally pulled me aside one time after I had told somebody I've been doing this about 10 years. And she goes, you're actually working on about 20 years. And I'm like, well, that's probably why I wasn't an accountant, right? Because I'm probably not really good with numbers. But I've been doing marketing, I mean, for like I said, 20 plus years now. Um, it all started off when I was always kind of had my own companies. I had a company by the name of Hotpad. It was a reusable heat pack that I had a, a co-patent on. Um, and that was kind of how I grinded my teeth on, on, on digital marketing. At that time, there, there wasn't SEO or anything like that. And what we did was I, I built the, you know, built the packaging out, built the logo out and built a website and all that kind of stuff. And we were able to index for some good keywords at that time, not knowing that that was SEO, but just saying, hey, listen, and this is like, hey, we seem to be getting some good traffic because of these certain things that are happening. We didn't really know how, what that was. But so, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I cut my teeth was SEO was a, a big thing back in the day for us and really having my own product. And it was a we had not only for online digital space, but um, also offline as well. I had three kiosks. Um, in malls here in Sacramento, in the Sacramento and the Bay Area that I ran. And that was, you know, kind of a, a, a life lesson in itself. Just, you know, I didn't realize that 
everybody seems to get uh, sick on December 31st for some reason. And I had to run three kiosks in three different locations on the first. And I'm sure there, there was no strategy behind getting sick on, on New Year's Eve, but it was a good lesson for me as an entrepreneur and, and running teams in, in remote locations, or at least, you know, one of them, I mean, the kiosks were anywhere from an hour to two hours away. So anyways, it was fun. It was a great experience, learned a lot from it. You know, also learned that, you know, my supplier that I had the co-patent with, you know, they sent me a product that was an awesome product. And then when they actually sent the official products, they weren't quite as good a quality. So that's a whole nother thing that I learned as an entrepreneur and international shipping is that sometimes they might try to shave off a few cents to save a buck. And so anyways, that was a whole nother conversation piece for another time. I could literally spend an hour on, on just that, on, you know, ordering <laughs> products overseas and, and how that, you know, once again, it could be awesome when it's great. And the actual the manufacturer that actually did make it right and sent this new product. But like I said, whole nother conversation piece. So, you know, started off there. Hot pad was kind of how I cut my teeth. And I ended up jumping into, I bought a bar in Chico, California. And if anybody's familiar with Sierra Nevada, that's where Sierra Nevada Brewing Company is actually out of Chico, California. And so I, I actually was opening restaurants for a restaurant called Chevy's Mexican Restaurant. Doing that, ended up in Chico, opening a restaurant for Chevy's. And then I ended up staying there and I opened a bar. So now I jumped into the bar business and that was real interesting. Obviously didn't really, I mean, we had a website, but it was really simplistic. We weren't, you know, pulling any leads in from online about beer drinking. And we were in a, a heavily populated, well, it was, the whole town was pretty much run by, it's either A, you worked, you were at Inlow, which was a local hospital, or you were working at Chico State. And so it was a, and it was a pretty, it was a party school. I know Chico's, they're going to probably cringe at hearing me say that, but it used to be a really big party school. Still is a, you know, a good sized party school. And so Selling, you know, alcohol to uh, people 21 years of age wasn't extremely difficult, right? So when you open a bar, you tell them you have beer, you have happy hour prices, and people come in. But we had some challenges, and that was kind of interesting for me to learn that side of the business, uh, the offline side of business. And you know, we had because it was a run you know, a lot of college students and stuff. It was very seasonal, and so I my bar literally opened up the day of graduation weekend, which is awesome, right? Because you're like, man, tons of people, families are in town, everybody wants to party. We're the new bar. That's awesome. And then Monday, everybody's gone. It's summertime. And so anyways, lots of lessons learned through that as well. It was one of those things I was like, wow, now I've got to get people in here and everybody's gone. You know, 50%, 60% of the town is gone because it's they're you know on vacation or, or they're going back to their hometown. So anyways, that was interesting as well. And then that, this thing's all kind of catapulted me into a number of different businesses. Most of them have been online based. I jumped in the digital space. I had many, you know, businesses that didn't make it, obviously. And and then I've had some great businesses. I had one business that I built up from zero to twenty-five million dollars in less than two years. I had 130 employees in two years. I had three offices. Um, I was obviously an offline thing and online. Built out the marketing side of it. I was a co-founder, but the marketing side of it, we had our own video team. I built out. We had an our own SEO team, and when anyway, so I built out these teams and our radio and, and media. And so I was on billboards and all this other fun stuff. And it was a great business and did extremely well. And then ended up getting sued by the attorney general for $60 million, which is another conversation for another day. Cause we could once again, probably have a 10 hour conversation about that. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. So you built it up to 25. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. What? Wait a second. You got sued 60. How? Okay. Pause for a second. Unpack that one just a little bit. Okay. I, not not the ten hour conversation, but the two minute on that one. I didn't yeah. think I'd be able to, to to escape this on you when I right when I brought it up. I thought, well, here we go. So yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, what it was is that we would we were helping homeowners that were having issues with their loans, and there was obviously the mortgage crisis that was happening. And what we would do is, I had two businesses, but one of them we would take a look at people's loans, and we would say, hey, listen, you know, we would we would have a team that would take a look at them and. A lot of the loans that happened back then, definitely in the U.S. and all over, there was problems with them. There was issues with fraudulent activity, somebody that either spoke Spanish or was elderly or whatever, and they were offered a 5% and then at closing, it was an 8% and they didn't know that. Or problem with it was, and once again, not to get heavy into this right now, but the mortgage industry, people were incentivized to put people in worse loans. So if you had a loan that was a, an arm or something like that, that in two years it was going to adjust, the broker would make more money on that. They'd make money on the backside of that. So, you know, we would look at that. And the problem was, is that you would incentivize people to put people in bad loans. And so, you know, it's not a problem when the market's going up and up, right? Because then you just refinance in two years. It's not a problem. But when the market goes down, then everybody's stuck in those loans. And that's what we saw in 2000, I think it was 2008, 2009, the mortgage crisis. Um, and so there's a lot more behind this. There's bundling of loans and 
I know way too much about the industry. And I, unfortunately, I know way too much about attorneys and the legal side of it as well, because I had a two-year fight with the attorney general, which once again is a, is a long conversation. But so anyways, it was a crazy, crazy time. I, I actually was probably about 25 pounds heavier, was working way too many hours. I mean, 18 plus hours a day. It was, like I said, learned a lot about you know having employees because I had 130 of them. We were suing banks. Banks were suing us. It wasn't a problem. And we just kind of went through this whole thing. And then the attorney general thing was a, a big thing, a little bit of a political play. Once again, don't want to get heavy into the show t- today about that. But w- once again, learn tons from it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I really couldn't even have gone to Harvard and learned what I learned through that whole experience. I mean, it was really, really crazy times. And just, you know, like I said, the backside of that thing and how we had to protect ourselves and the business and kind of the outcome and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was a two year fight and it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of rounds, a lot of rounds. So, <laughs> That, you know, that's one of the things through all my businesses and, you know, people look at things and talk about failure and all this other stuff. I don't feel like I've ever failed just due to the fact that I learned, right? If, you know, if I learned something through my experiences, through the businesses that I've had, then it's valuable. If I get out of it and I, the business doesn't make it and I didn't learn anything, then to me, that's a failure, right? You've got to learn something. And so through each one of my businesses that I've had over the last, you know, 20 plus years, I've learned something. And each one of them has brought valuable lessons to me. That one, my valuable lesson was, you know, be careful when you go up against big banks. They've they've got a lot more money than you do. And they, you know, and they have their attorneys that are on staff and they they like eat steel for lunch and stuff. Like they don't, they're not normal people, right? They're, they're going to come after you hot and heavy. And, and so anyways, we just, we didn't have lobbyists. We didn't have all this kind of stuff. I just looked at what I thought was an issue, which I knew was an issue of people being put in bad loans and, you know, I just felt like were, the, the solution needed to be we needed to help the people that were put in these bad loans and that can't afford their houses today because they were put in a bad loan. So there was a lot of due diligence we would have to do. We didn't take on every client because once again, we, we have to make sure that, that they qualify for the program. There was some kind of things, something that was wrong with the loans. And we had attorneys take a look at them. And once again, don't want to go heavy into the business model, but it was one of those things at the right time, right place and right time. And we were able to help quite a few people. But it just, you know, once again, it did. They put us on the radar to fight some some big boys, and I had to put on some gloves and literally lost weight, not because of stress, but just because I got in the gym and was like really ready for the bout. So two years later, we were able to get through the whole thing. Wow. So yeah, you've definitely been around the block as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. So what are you working on now then? So now all my stuff's been online-based. I have about a 20-person team. They're all remote. So I run everything through you know software, Slack and Trilio and Google Drive and all that kind of fun stuff. Mainly what we work on, then we have kind of three different companies. So I have Shane Barker Consulting, which is shanebarker.com, where I do a lot of consulting for businesses. So they'll like if they're looking for product launches or if they're looking to drive traffic and convert traffic, I either do a consulting where it's like, hey, I can you know say, hey, let me take a look at your Google Analytics. We'll take a look at all of the things you've got going and let's see how you guys are driving traffic. Are you driving the right type of traffic? And then what can we do to convert that traffic? So we do like lead magnets and stuff for websites. And that kind of ties into content solutions, which is... One of my newest companies, newest in the sense that we just came out with a website, which is contentsolutions.io. Not new in the sense that because we've been doing it for a long time. We've done it for myself. And I think we're going to touch on this as well as I, you know, I write for Inc. and Forbes and Huffington Post and all that. And due to that business model of me getting out there and, and us coming up with great pitch emails and getting to know the editors and getting my name out there, my team was originally for me just for inbound marketing. And then I finally realized, like, hey, we've got a, a something here that, like, I think a lot of people need. Like, we talk about, like, CEOs of companies or SaaS companies that they want to get the word out about their company. And I wanted to get the word out about myself. And so I went on this journey, whatever it was, five, six years ago. And my team, we built out these systems. And so that we were able to get me on all these big publications, which take a while. I mean, it's not an overnight thing. You can pitch Inc. and Forbes all day long, and they're probably not even going to respond back to you just because they're busy and they want quality content. And it took me a long time to build this up. But now I have a good equation for that to be able to get people the kind of brand mentions and the PR mentions that people are looking at that want to get online. So that's that is what is kind of tied into content solutions is kind of like a PR solution, a content solution where people can go and we can do we do infographics and gifographics to, you know, to be able to, to, to reach out to uh, other websites, which obviously if they're also good for backlinks to drive traffic. You know, we get mentions on a lot of the big publications. We have a good network of writers that are saying, hey, I'm looking kind of like Haro, if you've ever heard of that, where they, you know, Haro is a thing where a publication will say, hey, we're, we're, you know, this is what we're doing. It's a, a thing for reporters and stuff. So a reporter will put something up there and say, hey, we're looking for a SaaS company that makes $10 million and we we'll want to talk about the 10 things that you did to be successful. 
And so we kind of had the same thing with our clients. We have a great network. And so if you're a SaaS company or whatever, you can, you don't even have to be a SaaS company. It's just, we're working with a lot of those right now. Or if you're a CEO and you want thought leadership and you want to get your name out in the industry and you want to become a thought leader and you want to write for these big publications, then we have a program for that as well. So that's kind of where we're at today. And then I also do I know, another thing. Imagine that. Shame that. I have ADHD too. So let me just throw that out there too. I remember when I had drinks with Tom Augenthaler and he set us up together and he's like, Shane does so much stuff. It makes me tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I get up in the morning and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but like 4.30, I don't really need coffee because I'm already like in fifth and sixth gear. But I, you know, I like to sip on it on occasion. I, it's, I don't know. Just one of those things, man. I, I built out one thing I realized over the years was just building out good systems, right? And and once you start something, to have something to back that up and have people to help support you that. And and I have a twenty person team, so it's there. I have different teams on different projects and stuff. But my other one, my third project that you know, and then we'll, we'll we'll go on to some other things. But is influencer marketing. I've been doing it for about five or six years. Been writing about it for probably about five years. I was one of the original writers to write about it. And once again, it was one of those deals that. One of my clients, well, at that time she wasn't a client, but she was inquiring with me and said that she needed help with social media. And then, I, and long story short, I did an interview with her because I do that before I you know, bring on any clients to make sure they're a good fit and synergy. And she really, what she was looking for is influencer marketing, but it wasn't dubbed influencer marketing back then. It was just, we're, we've got to find people that have a big social media following and promote my products. And so that's that's how it all came about. Her name is Zoe Rodriguez. She was a runner. And then what she did, and, and she started you know, doing her lunges and her squats and all the fun stuff. And then she built a booty up. And she has a program called Build a Better Booty. Like, so like, <laughs> literally, that's what she did. Like Went from like no booty to uh, a good-sized booty. And thanks to the uh, J-Lo's and the Kim K's of the world, it was popular to have a big booty. And so all the girls on Instagram, when she came to us, she had 180,000 wanted her program because they, they had seen the before and after pictures. So that's how we jumped into the influencer space, uh, you know, like I said, about five, six years ago. And it was interesting because Zoe was not only an influencer in the sense that she had a good following, but she also had a product she was selling. So she was an influencer on one side. We'd get pitched by the Fit Tees and the Teeth Whitening and, you know, these type of companies and pancake, you know, like protein pancake mix and all this kind of stuff. So I would negotiate deals for her. And then on the other side of it, we would, you know, send out messages to influencers and say, hey, would you like to do Zoe's program or Hey, can you put up the before and after pictures? And we spent, I spent over $300,000 in probably about four, four to five months um, on influencer marketing, not even through an ad platform, but actually like through PayPal and through messaging and third-party messaging apps. So I was negotiating these deals and had these crazy spreadsheets that I would negotiate with hundreds of influencers at a time. And, you know, once again, negotiating deals and this, is it a permanent post, not permanent? How much are we going to pay them? It, you know, what country are they in? What time are they going to post? What kind of content approval process? And this was before like any kind of cool software that you have today where you can look at demographics and you can do outreach and you can negotiate through one platform. Like I, I had this thing, I always joke around about it, but I had this thing called an Excel spreadsheet. And some of the younger millennials might not know what this is, but an Excel spreadsheet is where we put information in this, you know, anyways, I'm being facetious, but where we would, you know, put our information in there and I would highlight all this stuff and um, different people I was, you know, negotiating stuff with and what we had talked about. Now, like I said, there's software and stuff that I use that makes it 10 times easier, but um, it was pretty interesting, pretty interesting. It was, it's kind of catapulted me today where I'm at with the influencer thing. And I think, you know, I was going to tell you about, I had a kind of a big announcement that we talked about a little earlier about UCLA. They've actually reached out to me and I went and met with them this last week. And I'm actually going to be a co-instructor for, I'm actually going to be creating a course with Amanda Russell on influencer marketing for the MBA program for UCLA. And that was just finalized just a few days ago. I was just down in LA. So that's some big news and really exciting stuff because UCLA's UCLA Extension, which is obviously part of UCLA, and we're going to be developing an influencer program for the, the students there for either A, how to be an influencer, but also on the brand side as well. So it's some, some exciting stuff here that you guys are kind of the first to hear about it. No, it's amazing. Congratulations, Shane. That sounds really exciting. Uh, on this show, I do harp on formal education quite a bit, but I am excited to hear that a big university is taking some things that are actually relevant in today's day and age and building courses around them and having real people like yourself who've actually done it and not just, I, I won't harp too much, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, not no, just I'm... teachers who teach something that have never actually done something, you know? And that's, that's what, and that's what's funny. So the UCL extension program that what it is, is about practitioners. And that was one of the reasons why they, they brought me on was they said, listen, you know, I don't have my MBA. I don't have my doctorate yet, 
But the key to the whole thing is that I, I do it and I'm in the business and I have, you know, I have my video series with SEM Rush. I have these things that I do when it talks about influencer marketing and I'm absolutely in the space. So that's the reason why I kind of, you know, surpass some of the other things, the MBA and the, the doctorate and the kind of stuff that you need to be able to do that. Because they said, listen, we understand that your expertise, that there's not a lot of people that you have your expertise. So it's awesome. That's what I was excited about. I mean, you can have any teacher in theory talk about it, but if you haven't done it because it's constantly changing, it's a, it's a different beast. And it's important that you have somebody that's in it on a daily basis. And obviously I am. So uh, so I was in a natural fit. No, and absolutely. And that makes sense. That's something I can respect. I like learning from people who have actually done things. You know, I want to learn from people's experiences. If I read a book, then I'm reading a book, you know, not just about the theory, but I'm reading a book about someone's life, about their experience doing something, yeah. not just academics. But Shane, I really got to pick your brain about this stuff, about positioning. Because like we mentioned earlier, you are on the Forbes Coaching Council. You are featured in Inc. Magazine, in Entrepreneur Magazine, in the Huffington Post, and like 50 other things. I would love to learn from you how you do that, how you position yourself to be in a place where you get to contribute to all these different things. Yeah, it, it, that's the thing. It, it's one of those deals that it, it, it took me about five or six years, probably even a little longer than that. What we did, I mean, really, if, you, if it's something you want to do on your own, it is a lot of work. I mean, we obviously have a thought leadership program that we put together that we can help people accelerate that learning curve, right, because of the things that we've learned. But if it's something you wanted to do on your own, you said, hey, listen, I've got time and resources and you know, I don't want to spend the money, then what I would recommend is that you go after, let's say we look at 100 sites, right? So I have 100 plus sites that I've written for in the last year. And so what we look at is you have to look at the sites that some of the smaller ones, and it's all foundational. So you know, it's little foundational wins and you start with some of the smaller ones. And I, I looked at them in regards to what we call DA and PA. So it's domain authority and page authority. So if they're, a, I want to say 20 or 30 or a 40, that's still a good domain authority, right? And Google being a hundred, right? So it's from zero to a hundred to get on those websites is going to be, you have to look at the ones that do guest blog posts. And those are going to be a little easier to get on because it's going to be, you know, as long as it's original content, they're going to most of the time be excited about somebody wanting to write for them. Once again, assuming that it's good content. So what I did is I started my blog. I started writing on my blog. And then that was my, my examples of the, the type of content I write. So I take that content and I go to XYZ website and say, you know, let's say it's a domain authority of a 30, right? And, and I see that they take guest blog posts. And there's ways to do searches on Google if you just put how do I find you know, sites that do guest blog posts? And there's also a certain code you can put in there that you can pull up the sites that actually have that. And you know, I can go over that later if needed. But, and then what happens, you pull those lists up and you can go in and find, once again, if I'm writing about you know, entrepreneurship and marketing and influencer marketing or whatever, then what I do is I go after the sites that are gonna be, you know, be good to, for their, their core audience, right? So, hey, there's some similarities in what I write about and what, these, uh, what the site's about. Then I go in and pitch them and I say, hey, listen, I've been writing on my blog for about six months. I've got a good readership. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to write a you know, thousand word post for yours. It'll all be original content. It can be keyword driven as well. Let us know what keywords that you would like us to you know, infuse in the article. We'll make sure that it doesn't sound like a robot. It will be written for people, not just from an SEO perspective. Um, would you be you know, open to us providing some free content to you? And so, you know, most most sites are going to say if they accept guest blog posts, they're going to say, yeah, that sounds awesome. I've seen your content, right? That's the, the idea is they want to be able to see some content you've written. And then that's how you kind of get that foundation started. So you start writing for these sites and it's, you know, it's not paid. It's going to it's going to take time. But once you start getting that going and once again, it's taken me you know, five, six, seven years to get to get up to, to where I'm at today. But it was that foundation that, that helps, you know, and then I would go and say, hey, you know, ABC website, I, I write for XYZ and I wrote these two blog posts there. And then I have a blog post that I've written for my website. If you like that type of content, I've got, here goes three title ideas that I think would be good for your guys' site. Let me know if you want to pick one. Once again, I'll do, you know, a thousand words, whatever it is, whatever their, their qualifications are, because they'll have it on their site. Hey, we do 800 words and it's got to be this and it's got to be that. It's got to be, you know, interviews with entrepreneurs or whatever it is. We'll have the guidelines. And then I would just go and pitch them and say, hey, I'd like to write for your site. I mean, the goal for me was eventually to get on Inc. and Forbes and all that as we did. But the, really the goal for me was inbound marketing. I knew that inbound marketing was going to be a big thing. And I thought, how can I continuously drive traffic, right? So if I wanted to you know, put an ad up on a local newspaper, you, know, you put it up, it goes out on a Tuesday, you get all kinds of calls on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then it's done. 
So I thought, what can I put out there content-wise that will always be out there and that you know will be evergreen and then people can read it? And that's that's why I started doing that. And when you have these these bigger sites that you write for, a lot of the times those sites, if written correctly, can index number one for certain keywords. Right. So let's say we have influencer marketing as an example. And let's say I write this great article for Inc. Is they, Inc. You can only do, I think it's like 800 words, a little less than that. So let's say it's entrepreneur.com. Let's actually not entrepreneurs also like I think 600 or 700. So they don't do big posts. But let's say it's a website. It's an authoritative website. Let's say it's marketingprops.com. And I go and I write this great article about influencer marketing. It's all got the keywords in there and all that kind of stuff. There's a good chance because of the domain authority of how popular that website is that that content could become number one. So obviously it's great for the websites. The website loves it that you included the keywords. They're getting that traffic. And also what's gonna happen is somebody is gonna go and read that and they're gonna go, wait a second, this guy Shane Barker seems to know what he's talking about. I mean, I'll give you guys an example. I mean, I just yesterday had an interview with USA Today. And that was due to the fact that she goes, I went to go look up stuff on influencer marketing and micro-influencers and you showed up everywhere. Like I, I couldn't escape you, which is awesome. I'm like, don't like I, I want to have my grips in you. I don't want you to ever escape me. So, you know, she's like, and I just I knew that I had to talk to you about this piece, and so that's why I wanted to interview you. So I had an awesome interview with them yesterday. So, but that was because they've seen me everywhere, right? She everything she looked at, I was the, not everything, but I, I was the author of it. So it it became a nat, you know natural it, for her. It made sense to reach out to me and say, okay, this guy obviously knows what he's talking about, and let's interview him. And so that's where. You get that traction with this whole thing where now I'm getting other interviews. I mean, I got on the interview with you today because of Tom and Tom's also in the influencer space. The guy's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. That I had him on the show for episode number four and just a wealth of knowledge. And, and that's exactly it, right? So it's all about Tom would not have known me if I had not written these articles for these websites, right? There's no way that there's no way to be able to reach Tom unless I reached out to him individually and said, hey, Tom, you seem like you got a lot of good things going on. Hey, can we chat sometime? I mean, we got some good stuff going on in the influencer marketing space. I think we, there's some education that needs to happen. Would you want to jump on and help us out with that? I said, absolutely. So that's how Tom and I got connected. But he wouldn't have reached out to me because you can't blindly reach out to somebody that you don't know. It's very difficult, right? I mean, last time I checked, if you don't know who they are, it's going to be hard to contact them. So that's how I, that's how I met Tom was you know, through the, the fact that he read my articles and said, hey, I think you've got some good stuff going on here. Let's talk. Because of that foundation, those sites that I write for, that's catapulted me into being a thought leader in the space. It's also gotten me a lot of interviews. It's gotten me in front of people that I want to be in front of in regards to podcasts and webinars and you know now UCLA. I mean, UCLA, the reason why that happened was because they read my articles. Because otherwise, how would they know that I was in the space, right? So that's where you get that leverage and it starts to catapult and more and more things happen. And then next thing you know, I'm teaching a, an MBA course at UCLA. I mean, that really is the, the pinnacle of this whole thing. It's like, I mean, how does it get any better? And I'm, you know, I don't know what the next step to getting better is. I'm looking forward to it though, but I'm at that point. Amazing. So do you actually backlink to your own site when you're writing guest posts for other people, or you're just relying that people will see the author's name and then search you uh, on Google or organically look for you? Yeah. So usually what will happen is, so the, the idea is, is that I write some great content for my website. And usually when you do a guest blog post, the benefit for you as the writer is most of them will say, hey, we allow one backlink to your website, right? That's kind of the benefit of it. Not to mention we have the, the bylines. You have your name and, you know, you have your little bio there and what you've done with companies or what you, you know, what you currently do. So what the, the idea is that you want to write what we call epic content. So you want to write a, a few great blog posts, let's say 2,000 to 2,500 words on your website, and then that gives you something to backlink to. So if I'm on, you know, XYZ website, we're talking about influencer marketing, and, you know, we have a great case study, then I'll backlink to that case study to back up my article. So you do want to backlink. I mean, that's one of the values of doing it, right, is because then then you get that SEO juice behind it. And then it also, you know, when I'm talking about it and people go, oh, this isn't a great article. And they go click. I go, oh, this is Shane's article. Oh, this is his website. And then guess what? I have my banners up there and I have all my little, you know, my lead magnets and all this kind of fun stuff to convert people to. You know, either A, come in, you know, join my newsletter or download one of my free ebooks or something like that. Makes perfect sense. So that's kind of the long way to do it. But you mentioned briefly earlier that you actually teach people a slightly shorter way to position yourself to be able to do things like this. Yeah, so that's where we, we offer that as like a, I say a course, but really it's, there's two ways that we can do it. There's 
um, either A, we have, there's, there's two ways. So you can either A, hire us and we'll do all the outreach. We'll do everything. We come up with a year long plan. It's, it's a year long program that we put together. And then by the end of it, depending whatever, what we call the KPIs or the key performance indicators, kind of like a PPC thing, we look at like, what are your goals? So, you know, they say, Hey, by the end of the year, I want to be, you know, writing for this website. Okay, great. And then we come up with a plan and we back that plan out and say, okay, these are the sites that I think we need to start off on. We write the content, they approve the content or they write the content. It just depends on the relationship. And then we do the pitching and we kind of get them up there and we get them on some podcasts and we get them featured here and featured there. And we build out that that thought leadership. And it's been extremely successful just due to the fact that we have a lot of the relationships with a lot of the podcasts and the editors and just from years of being in the space. And so we're, what you're doing is you're really buying into our expertise, which is most companies, right? I mean, when you hire a company, you're buying into their expertise and that's what they're buying in for us. And for us, we have a very strict approval process. And what I mean by that is that we just we just don't take anybody on. It's got to be uh, got a good product, good service. It's got to have a good name. I and mean, there's a lot of things we do our due diligence on our side to make sure it's a good fit and to make sure that they can be successful. Because I don't, you know, I don't want to go and, and take on a company that six months down the road we're like, oh, we didn't see these ten things, and there was an issue here, and there's an issue there, and then they're not successful. I mean, for me, it's not it's not a money thing. <laughs> for me, it's like. I'm gonna. I could make ten times as much money if I have a company and I bring I bring somebody to thought leadership and they're successful because they're gonna go tell everybody about how we did this awesome job for them. So for me, it's about getting to the finish line. So I'm really like I do a lot of like my calls and stuff like that. People go, oh, they'll email me. What do you, what's your package pricing? I don't have a package price. Like really, what I do is I take a look at the individual and I think what is the opportunity here and to make sure that we can make them be successful or help them be successful. And if I don't think that's a possibility, I'll be honest with them and just tell them uh, because I don't want to waste anybody's time. Like to me, I, I understand who can, you know, who I think we can, we can take to that next level. And there's certain things that I look at as an individual to make sure there's those good synergies and a good fit to be able to do that. So I'd love to unpack that a little bit. So what are the type of people you enjoy working with or people that perhaps you've seen are successful doing this type of marketing? Yeah. So I look for people that have, I'm going to say kick-ass products, right? Or that have good products or services. And sometimes it doesn't always have to be a unique product or service, but I do like the ones that are a little bit of a challenge. Maybe they're disrupting technology or they're some the underdog, but they've got some good stuff going on, right? So they've got some great software, but they don't really have the exposure of some of the big guys. Like I mean, we have some potential client actually I'm talking to today, but they want to go up against IBM Watson. Right. And Watson has, you know, I mean, last time you checked IBM's budgets, you know, probably seven figures all day long. And his budget is probably, you know, five figures, you know, I mean, maybe six. But the idea is, is to go up against the big dogs. You know, the thing is, is they are big. They're huge. They have big budgets, but they're also not as agile. And they also can't do a lot of the stuff that we can do because we can move fast and get things done. And we have a good network. And so what we do is, you know, I go, okay, that sounds good. I want to go up against the big fish. Like, let's do that. I want to go up against those guys because I, let me take a look at your product and make sure everything's good there. What is your background? Great. This guy happens to be graduated from Harvard and he has all the bells and whistles, had a company that he sold off. I mean, all the stuff that, that tells me that, hey, there's, he's definitely a thought leader and we just got to get the word out about him, right? So if he, if he came to me and says, hey, I've got an idea, I've got a logo and an idea, probably not going to be a thought leader yet. Right. I mean, there's like so many other steps that, we, that that have to happen for me to say, hey, I think this makes sense to be that we can bring this person to that next level and have them become a thought leader. You know, hey, have you ever done any speaking events? I never have. OK, that doesn't mean that we can't make them a thought leader, but it really depends on what their goals are. They're saying, hey, I want to be a speaker in six months. OK, great. Then then you should probably go and you know join some they have, you know, different things that you can join for speaking stuff to be to, to get better at speaking and stuff like that. So. We, once again, it's, it's that overall plan. It's not just, I mean, the PR side of things, but we also want to prepare them for the real world of being a thought leader, right? You're going to get invited to speak in events. You're going to do this. You're going to have to do that. And I, I just we kind of prep them up for that kind of stuff to get them ready because, you know, there's plenty of companies that have great products, but there's not a lot of companies that have great CEOs or great whatever CMOs that go and speak at events. And when you do go and speak at events, it makes your product that much better because then you get a chance to talk about the overall, you know, in, in the niche that you're in on the world that you're in. And then you also get to talk about your product as well. And that's when things really start well, for companies. That's when things really start to get interesting because I've, I've grabbed some of my biggest clients from my speaking events, right? Cause I'm, I'm thought leadership and, and I'm going in and I'm speaking about this and people go, God, you know, like, 
I really want to do this on my own, but you really know what's going on. And, and I, you know, and then I, then it comes down to, Hey, do you, you know, you want us to do all the work or do you want us to show your team how we're doing it? Most of the time they say, we want you guys to do the work because I've got 10,000 other things going on. Let's just get this thing going. So it's kind of the little synopsis of how we get it done. We're just going to pause for a second on the interview because I want to tell you about this special resource that I have for you. It's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. It is a PDF downloadable report and you're going to find it at expatmoneyshow.com. Okay, why do I want to tell you about this? Well, it is an amazing resource for anyone out there who is looking to go offshore to become an expat, expat hopefuls. If you're looking at immigration or plan B residencies or any of these types of things that we talk about on the show, this really condenses the information into really easy to understand. And then from there, it gives you all the resources, links to the additional resources or who you can work with, the professionals involved in this. So I've had some amazing feedback on this and I want to give it to you free, 100% free. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com and at the very top of the page, you will see the special report. You can sign up. There's no credit card needed. There's no nothing like that. I just want you to have this resource because I think it's really important and I think it's going to really serve you well. So enjoy. Go to expatmoneyshow.com, download your free special report, and let's jump back into today's interview. So we talked briefly about blog posts and writing, and then you brought up public speaking. Are there other things that you use as positioning tools for your PR firm to really propel someone to that thought leadership type of status? Once again, it all comes down to what their goals are, right? If they say, once again, we want to write for this company or we want to, I want to be on the stage at XYZ event. So it really depends on what their goals are. And so we'll kind of back that thing out and say, okay, so what do we need to do to get there? So you know, podcast being a great thing, right? Because podcasting is just huge and it's, you know, it's all the, the rage right now. So like what podcast do we need to get people on to be able to, to get the voice out, right? To be able to get the message out of what you've got going on. And they also have to have an interesting story, right? Because there's always an angle to everything, right? I mean, when you're drinking a bottle of wine, wine's awesome until you hear the story of the guy, the, the Italian guy that came over on the boat and he had one seed and $1 in his pocket and he you know, went and used the $1 and somebody took the dollar from him. So now he's sleeping on the streets, but he had the seed and he drops it down and that seed grows and all of a sudden it's this grape and he takes one grape, he eats one and the other one, he starts making wine. And then next you know, it's Silver Oak, right, in California. So it's like, right, it's like this story of like, and then that wine is like, oh my God, I can just taste the agony in this wine of what this guy had to go through. This is so awesome. I mean, everybody loves the story of, you know, I was homeless in my car and now I'm a, a famous singer or something, right? They love that like, oh man, it's the, the hero story, like the guy that or girl that just made it, you know, that pushed through and made it to the top. That's what I look at is like, what is your story? Like, what do we have? Like I have a client, Chris Rudin, guy's absolutely phenomenal. He's, he has a disability. He was born, he has seven fingers. And what I mean by that is five on one side on two on the other. And the other two are not like fingers and you have to look him up at Chris Rudin. You go like Instagram, look up Chris Rudin and he's a power lifter. So what I mean by that is he can power lift 660 pounds. One of his arms is about I think it's six inches to a foot shorter. So do the math on this. So when you go to grab a bar, you, you if I grab a bar, I have 10 fingers. So it's a little easier for me to grab it. When you have five fingers and then two fingers that aren't really fingers, what he uses is a hook. So he has a hook. Now think about this. You have 660 pounds. When you go to lift that up, you have a hook. What does that have to be connected to? He wraps it around his wrist extremely tight because there's nothing to hold on to that. Like what holds on to the hook? You don't have a hand. So he wraps it around his wrist and he power lifts 660 pounds. The guy's a beast. He's not only that. When he was 19, he was diagnosed with diabetes. So he's diabetic in his seven fingers. Now, if you go look at his pictures, you know, my wife, you know, Chris, you're probably going to hear this and don't ever, you know, take this the wrong way. My wife's like, this is beautiful. Like, he's just a beautiful man, like good looking guy, works out all the time. Um, and then my wife's going to kick my butt for, for telling the world. <laughs> but anyways, he's and nothing but the nicest guy. And what, what we're doing for him is he's out, he's speaking at events for kids. We're diabetic and disability and about bullying. And he's out there telling the world about like, hey, like what I went through, like the, his before and after pictures, like. It's just, it's incredible. He just, his story, one of his, his stories just went viral about six months ago. And what it was, he's always had a glove where he had his two fingers. He's always had a glove on. 
Always. His girlfriend, they've been together for years. She's never seen that, that hand ever. Like even when he goes in the shower, he takes it off, puts it right back on. And he was hiding from the world because he was, he, he went and told his story about, I think he was in the third grade and how there was a girl in his class that he had a crush on and he was sitting down at his desk. And then all of a sudden behind him, she was making a hand like a claw because his two fingers, it looks, it looks like a claw and was doing it behind his head making fun of him in class. And so everybody in the class saw this and was laughing and he's kind of, what's everybody laughing at? Looked back and saw her doing that. And he goes, ever since then, he goes, I wore a glove or I had my hand in my pocket. So I would run track. I would have my hand in my pocket. And so he never, and, he, and ever since that day in third grade, he, he never took his glove off. He kept his glove on. And so he just took his glove off for the camera and it, it went crazy. God, I think it was the Washington Post did a story on him. Reddit went nuts because it was the first time of him taking his glove off. His, all of his speaking engagements that we've got him are about like, hey, you got to break out of your shell. Like life's hard. Like you just got to keep going. Like I think his tagline is like, you know, limitations are self-imposed. But this whole time he had a glove on. He's telling everybody, hey, you got to break out of your shell. But he wasn't breaking out of his shell to take his glove off. And now if you look in his pictures, he, he doesn't have a glove. He took his glove off. And so it was a crazy, very inspirational story. Well, Chris is one of my clients. We got him out there and got him on a lot of big, big sites because he's got a great story. Right. I mean, Chris hasn't had it easy. He, he, you know, he had the, between the disability and, and then diabetes, other than God obviously spent a little extra time on him with a paintbrush from what my wife says. But, you know, a good looking guy. So it, it's that's where Chris's story became very intriguing to me because Chris is going to be famous and he wants to make an impact. And for me, that was like less of a like how much you know money can I make from the deal? Because that's not always the deal for me. It, it, it came down to his story and how he wants to go and change the world. And he wants to help kids that have diabetes or that have disabilities and what he can do to kind of explain to them like, hey, life was hard for me. You know, I was doing drugs and alcohol and I was very depressed. And, you know, he thought about all kinds of bad things. And now he's now look at him. Now he's out there and he's doing big things. So that's an example of a, of a client that came to me that once again, wasn't a SaaS company, you know, didn't have all kinds of crazy stuff. But when I talked to him, I was very motivated by his message and I wanted to help him get the word out about what he's got going on because he's got some great things going on. So that's just kind of another example of it. it doesn't always have to be a SaaS company. I look at the story as well because if it's going to make an impact on the world, then I want to be a part of it. It's amazing. That's super inspirational. And I totally understand what you mean by the story because sometimes when you look at these big people, these huge influencers, these huge thought leaders, they always have that really monumental story that a lot of people can relate to. Sometimes what I find though, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes what I find is that these people have actually told their story so many times. It's so polished, it's like lost its effect a little bit. But like when you tell this story of your friend with a disability and the diabetes, like that still feels very raw, you know, like that doesn't feel like an overly polished story at all. Like it's brand new and you can really feel it. Yeah. And, and I think, and that is important as well, because it doesn't, like with Chris doing that video, that was like a kind of off, off the cusp. That wasn't something we were like, Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we tell the world about your hand and we can take the glove off and we can do a video about it. Like it wasn't a planned thing. Yeah, it's not manufactured. Yeah, it wasn't like, hey, maybe we can get some PR if we do this. It was a very organic type deal. When Chris sent me that video, and I was like, oh my God, dude, that's a crazy video. Like, I watched it, and I was, you know, and he didn't use the girl's name from the third grade, but I thought, God, that was so rude. You know, it's so rough in, in elementary school, in high school, and junior high. It's, it's hard if you have all your facilities and you're not diabetic, but if you're diabetic and you, you know, you have a disability, I mean, that's, come on, that's hard, man. That's, you know, so. That's where, you know, Chris's story in it, and it's, you know, it, he doesn't let anything that happened there hold him back, which is awesome. And his story is constantly changing. Like just recently, we, we was able to raise $150,000 through insurance and some other means to get a prosthetic arm. So if you look at his website, he's got a prosthetic arm now that he's trying to lift with. And he, and he laughs about it. Like he, one of his first videos was him trying to grab a cup. So you think about it, you put on a prosthetic arm. You know, when I want to move my hand, I just move my hand, right? There's, there's not a lot that goes into that for the most part, right? For, for this, you, you've got to teach your arm that's not used to having a hand to use that hand. So he did this video, it was absolutely hilarious, of him trying to hold a cup. And he's trying, and it's, a, and it's like a, a plastic cup, like a plastic cup, like a red cup. And it's, his hand's like almost seizuring out because it's like squeezing it, squeezing it, squeezing it, because he's trying to figure out how to hold the cup. But for him, it was amusing. It's like, 
hey, this is this is part of my life. I've got to figure out how to use this arm all over again with a prosthetic arm. And he's using this thing and he's squeezing it and it's hilarious. So, you know, it's things with Chris, there's always something, there's always something that he has to get over and he gets over it. And that's what's awesome about it is that, that story. And that's why it's never like this refined pitch of like, hey, we're going to say this, this, this and this because it's constantly changing because Chris is always doing more bigger things. And it, and it really adds on to his story. I mean, I'm, I'm praying that nothing else happens to him like diabetes or anything again. Right. I mean, you can't get it twice, but. You know, nothing else big like in that in regards to his life. But I don't know. I mean, it's just it, it's all about perception on life. And on, you, you get you get you, know, you take some punches. And then what do you do to be able to get through that? He's got a new company called Fail Forward. And this is the last time I'll talk about Chris, but company called Fail Forward, where he, where he talks about failures. And it's a project that I'm helping him on right now. But talks about failures and like, what did you go through in life to be able to get to where you're at today? Because we all have failures and you, you need to not ignore them. You need to embrace them. And that's kind of the goal of this is like, hey, you failed forward, like whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's whatever that is. And what did you learn for it? And what did you do to, to push through that and, and go to the next level? So anyways, I love Chris, by the way, if you didn't know, I should probably go get the Chris Rudin tattoo here soon. No, that's a super inspirational story. I love it. So it brings up some interesting points, though, because you talk about the story and you also bring up that we all have failures in our lives and we all have some type of a story. So, like, how do you take someone's 30, 40, 50 years of life and boil them down to stories that are relatable to other people? Like, I find this topic, like, really, really fascinating. Yeah, the thing is, is, is I talk to their grandparents. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, you know, what I do is, is I, I do, I kind of make an evaluation. We have a questionnaire that, the, that we have people fill out. And I want to find, because a lot of people think that their life isn't interesting, right? And, and that's where, you know, most of the courses today and the most of the, the stuff that people teach are about their experiences. Like if you go to Udemy or you go to these things, they're, they're teaching these courses about whatever it is, at PPC, well, this is, or, you know, inspirational stuff that happened to them or how I start my day, or this is all because of this, because of their own experience, right? So I look at this and say, okay, well, tell me what's, what's happened. And we kind of do an interview type process where and talk to them about their life, and we figure out that interesting angle. Because you know, for me, my interesting angle, and, and I haven't even talked about this too much, is but is that company that I had for twenty five million that I got sued for sixty million dollars. Like that's a, that is just isn't common, right? And this doesn't happen to a lot of people. Thank God, because we you know it'd be a hard times for everybody. But that's my that's part of my angle, right? I have some really interesting stories and things that happen to me. And I, I, you know, I originally didn't think that was an interesting angle because I'm like, well, it's just, you know, it just sucks. And no, but that's overcoming adversity, like massive amounts of adversity. And that's that's David versus Goliath. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And not everybody goes through that, but there will be there's times in your life where there's something you're going through and it might not be that you might not think it's that big of a deal, but it feels like it's a big deal. The thing is, is people want to hear about that. Right. They want to know what you what happened, like how you got punched in the face 36 times. And on number 37, you were able to push through. And what did you do? Because that's inspiring to people, right? And it's the same thing with business. Like, you know, hey, yeah, great. You're going up against, you know, IBM or you're going up against these big dogs. And like, what are you like? How are you going to be able to do that? Like, why, why are you even taking that on and figuring out that angle? Like my aha moment was this, this, this and this, right? This is what I realized. And, you know, I was down to my last dollar or I, I had a potential to go with this company and make six figures, but I this was my dream. I really wanted to do this. And I knew that we had an interesting angle and that angle is this, 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 and this. And so it's like, what is that story? Like what motivated you to, to go to that next level? And, and, and that's where the stories become interesting. And that's where you can get featured on, on websites, not only for your writing, but like, what's your story, right? I mean, cause there's two sides of it. There's a thought leadership of, Hey, great. I write about, you know, influencer marketing. People see me there, but then you know, there's the other side of interviews of saying, well, like, how did you get into this influencer space? Like, what did you and I, I tell, tell the story of Zoe or other stories that have happened to me and where I picked up clients? There's there's two sides of that. So now you have a PR side of it and you have the, the writing and what people can see your knowledge and what you've done. So that's when those two things come together. That's when thought leadership happens. Amazing. But I think it's so cool that you actually specialize in these types of things because I have I would like to think a very interesting life and a very interesting story. But actually, my problem is not that I don't have stories. It's that I have so, so many stories and so many crazy, wild, messed up things that have happened to me during my life. It's like, how do I sort through, you know, so many years worth of things and figure out what is motivational, what is inspirational, and how to use these stories to help people? Because that's what I want to dedicate my life to, you know, is, is helping other people. Yeah, I think that's the thing is you, you know, 
it, it all comes down to once again, we work, we engineer it backwards. Like, what are your goals? Where do you want to end up? Like, right. Hey, I want to be, I want to be Tony Robbins. Okay, great. That's a, you know, I don't know if we're going to get you there in a year, but the idea is, is like, Hey, we'll get you, maybe we'll get you on, you know, opening up for them or something. That's, that's a goal, let's say. Um, and then what we look at is like, once again, so what the stories that you have that are inspirational, that can move crowds, that can get people excited about your message. What are those, right? Name 10 things that have happened to you. And it's like, you know, it's well, when, when Johnny, my dog died when I was seven. Okay. So let's, we can dig deeper into that. So what are some other ones? Hey, it was when, you know, my mom passed when I was nine years old and, um, nobody found, nobody knew that my mom died and I was in the house for one month. Oh my God. Like you got what? Like, so what happened there? And then how you, I had to make my own food. I had to do this and nobody even knew that I was there. And it's like, Oh my, you know, so everybody in the audience is like, Oh my God, you know, little nine year old and lost your mom. And so, it, you know, it's like, what is that angle? I mean, not everybody has that traumatic of an event, but there are things that have happened in your life that made you, there was a fork in the road and either you went right or left. And that's what we have to figure out. Like, what is that angle on that story? And so that's, that's what we help people come up with. Cause a lot of people don't think that their life, that there's been crazy things that have happened or that impactful, but to other people, they want to hear those stories and they want to hear about how you made it through or what you did to, to be able to transition from this to this, right? Like, how did you make that? Like, how did you quit working for a company to go start your own business? Like, God, tell me about that transition. Cause that's, that's what I want to do. Or, Hey, I want to travel the world and still make money. Like, God, how did you do that? Like, how are you able to just like drop it all and go do that? Like, that's crazy. Like, what were the, like, what were your steps to get that done? Right. So, it, it once again, plenty of stories. We just got to figure out what is the angle on that. And then we back it out and figure out how we want to get you to wherever you want to be. Makes perfect sense. I love it. So let's switch gears a little bit, Shane. I want to know some of the skills that have really like helped you to be successful as an entrepreneur, because you've been at this a while. For some of our younger listeners who are just starting out on their entrepreneurial journey, um, what kind of skills do you think that they should be focusing on learning? You know, the biggest skill that I, I think I underestimated when I was younger is the, the, the skill of networking. And really, that is extremely important. I remember in, you know, when I went to college, it was funny. So I, you know, I'd have fraternities that were like, hey, you should join, you know, Gata, Mida, Beta, Figa. And I'm like, ah, no, I've already got enough friends. You know, that was my thing. It's like, ah, you know, I'm not, not really into that. I'm not really looking to, you know, to pay dues, to hang out with people. But in retrospect, like, as an example, so like with our kids, you always want to, you know, you always want your kids to do better than what you did. So, you know, I actually took my son and, and he went through a, a private Catholic program here in Sacramento and it was not cheap. But the reason why I did that is because a lot of the families that were in those programs were successful business owners and, and had these, you know, and so I, I put him into a system where he was already networking. He didn't know that necessarily because I didn't say, hey, go get to know everybody's families. But I got to know the families as well. Really awesome people that have had their trials and tribulations when it comes to business. But so I kind of put him in that environment. And the same thing, he just went off to college. Ironically, he went to Chico State, the same place I had my bar, which is a whole nother conversation. But um, he, uh, he, you know, and he joined a fraternity um, out there in Chico. And, and originally we were a little, you know, oh, fraternity, this, that, and the other. But the networking that he gets from that, like the families that he's met and the families that he will continue to know and the relationships that he's built is invaluable. And I didn't have that growing up. I didn't really, I, I didn't really network too much. I mean, I had some people that I talked to about marketing and stuff, but there's so much value in a, the networking and also finding a mentor. That's extremely important. Finding somebody that knows more than you, because there's always somebody out there and either a being in some type of a, you know, internship is another thing I would recommend. So, you know, I didn't, my agency and the, and the companies that I've started, it's always been me. <laughs> what I mean by that is I didn't have an agency that I worked for before I started my agency. Like I started things from the ground up and it's a lot harder because it's me, right? I mean, I had employees and stuff, but like I didn't, if I'd interned at a place for maybe a year or two years or six months, whatever that would be, I would have an idea of how they do things, the, you know, what they, their price point is, how they sell things. It gives you a foundation. Um, and I think that's what's important. And we talk about the thought leadership and talk about influencer marketing and this kind of stuff and consulting. That's why I'm a big advocate of consulting. I mean, not only because I do it, but you know, there's certain things that if you have the budget, you can pay somebody to help you through a lot of the bumps and the, the hiccups and things that can happen that can be you know, financially devastating or can hurt your campaign or something by hiring somebody that, that has that knowledge. Um, and like even today in my business today, I hire people where I have issues instantly. Like if I have a problem with 
hey, I'm having a problem with invoicing and you know I can't seem to get my invoicing right or whatever. And that's a pretty simplistic one. But then I go and hire you know somebody that would help me with that. Or if I have issues with customer service and I go, man, I just don't know the, the solution to this is. I go find somebody that is the, the top in customer service. I'll pay their consulting fee. I have no problems with it. And then guess what? Now I go and I, I make that not a problem anymore because we'll come up with a solution. So I'm, I'm just a, a big advocate on, once again, build out those networks, keep good relationships with people, you know, find people that you want to mentor with. And if you know they have some kind of a mentorship program or, hey, can I take you to, to dinner or coffee you know, once a month? I mean, I have two individuals right now that I meet with, well, usually once a week. My schedule's been a little crazy recently. And I meet with them once a week to talk about their business and what they've got going on and how can I help them. I mean, I, it's my way of giving back because I think it's important because, you know, I don't want people, I want people to learn from me and things that have happened in my life where it can make their life better and they don't have to necessarily go through that because life's hard and there's always going to be things that happen. So, you know, what can I do to make it easier for them? So I, I just, I think that outreach and that networking is a really important part of this. If you're, if you're young and want to jump into anything in, in this world, I think it's important that you have some kind of a mentor, or, you know, have some kind of uh, network in place. Well, and that touches on one of my favorite points as well, because I don't know who originally said it, but somewhere down the line, someone said, the best way to learn is from your mistakes. And I I hear that, and I think that's absolute horseshit. I think the best way to learn is from other people's mistakes. So, you know, quit trying to do everything yourself. If someone has already made the mistake, then exactly like you say – Pay the consulting fee, get them to fix it, learn from them, and and don't go through it yourself because there's there's enough mistakes that you're going to make walking into it without realizing it. If you can sidestep even just a fraction of them, it's going to save you years of your life and thousands of dollars. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it really comes down to everybody has an experience and somebody has, you know, once again, the thought leadership thing, it's taken me five, six, seven years to get to where I'm at you can come hire me and get there in a year, right? I mean, it's the same thing with other things. Like look at what people's expertise are and figure out where you want to be and then go and talk to that person. And don't, you know, this is the thing. If, if you don't have the money, then you've got to figure out what you can do. Make it a win-win situation. I get pitched on a daily basis on mentors and, hey, will you help me with this and help me with that? And I'm a very generous person. I try to get back to everybody and help everybody. But the thing is, is like, how do we make it a win-win, right? Like how do you, so... You're going to somebody, let's say it's um, Tony Robbins is big, but let's say there's somebody that's, you know, in the mid space between, you know, not making it and Tony Robbins, right? And you're saying, listen, I, I've seen what you've done here, what you've done there. I've, I've gone to your events. You're doing awesome things. You know, is there anything I can do for you? If I can, can I help you promote your business or can I, you know, intern for you for three months? I really love to learn your systems. Um, this is what I'm doing in school. This is what I've done. I, I, you, I you know. Explain to them that you know them so you're building that relationship so they understand that this isn't just a random email that you're sending to everybody. I even tell people, like, listen, I mean, I talked to a company yesterday. I said, listen, what I'm pitching to you guys today, I'm only pitching to you guys. I haven't talked to anybody else, which was the truth. Um, This is a rare opportunity. I really want to work with you guys. Let me explain why this is a win-win situation. And let me explain how this is going to benefit you guys, right? Because it's not always – if you just go to somebody and say, hey, can you help me do this, 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 and this – I mean, I, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I got those emails, I, I would just retire. I'd go probably live with you, Mikhail, out there and go have some fun internationally, right? But th- it's 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 difficult. So it's like, what do I – so I look at this and somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to help your business. And how can this be a win-win? That's where the value comes in because I'm looking – that's more of a – they're looking to build a, a relationship, not just a, hey, can you hook me up, right? And so I think that's really important when you look at this whole thing. It's you figure out who you want to be like and then go after them. It's not, I mean, it's, but you just have to put the, the problem that gave everything. You just got to make that step, make that first step and just keep going and keep doing it. Don't wait. It's, you, you're going to think about, you're going to overthink stuff and you're not going to do it. You're going to wait, 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 wait. It's never going to happen. Nobody's going to reach out to you if they don't know about you. They're just not. Yeah, and absolutely. And like you said, it's a value exchange. Value exchange doesn't necessarily have to be monetary. Value exchange can be many things. And that's exactly it. We, I, we talk about like the influencer side of things. So, you know, people will say, well, what, what should I pitch an influencer? And I said, you know, this is the thing. Don't pitch them anything. Keep it open. Because you might say, hey, I'll give you $1,000 for a post when really all they wanted was free product, right? So, I mean, what I do like with influencers, I, I do a real custom email to people, explain to them why they're a good fit for the brand that I'm working for and really go into detail and say, hey, you know, we'll be able to jump on a call. When we jump on that call, I say, hey, have you heard about XYZ products? Yeah, we have. You know, I love Adidas and those are the, I, you know, the new shoes that were coming out with. I'd heard something about them. 
Like, what would you, if we sent you a copy of those shoes and maybe give you the next versions that come out, like, what, what, kind, what would that relationship look like? Hey, man, I would do five posts. I would do this. I would write about it here. I would, man, that would be awesome. I'd tell all my friends, okay, great. Let's, why don't we do that? Right? Or another influencer can say, hey, listen, for me, it's, it's $10,000 is the minimum price. Okay, maybe that doesn't fit our budget. Then we go on to the next influencer. Right? But it's, it's all about that, like, that relationship, the value, right? What are we giving to them? What are they giving to us? And if it makes sense, that's all it is in life. I mean, it, these emails, and I see it happen with brands all the time that send out 10,000 emails to 10,000 influencers, and they're just throwing stuff up on a wall and seeing what sticks. That's not going to work. There's no, there's no human interaction there. It's, that's a blanketed email that you're sending out to everybody. Where, what's going to happen is you're going to get the guy that just wants you know, $500 and really doesn't care about your brand. It needs to be, that relationship needs to be deeper there. Yeah, and then that brings us full circle to your previous point, which is it's all about connections. Exactly, 100%. It, it is about connections and, and keeping in good connections, right? I mean, in, in regards to that, it's like making sure that, that you foster those relationships because those are valuable. I mean, those people can help you, but you can also help those people. And that's just important in life. It just, you know, that human interaction and making sure you keep things on good terms, you know, once again, so you guys can work together and work on projects and you never know when you might need somebody down the road or when they might need you. That's kind of interesting. Oh, I love it. So listen, Shane, imagine I'm coming down to campus at, down at UCLA and uh, we find a little pub there. We're going to go have an IPA because I know that's your favorite beer. <laughs> and I lean in and I'm like, Shane, Shane, what's that $1 million secret? What's that $1 million secret, Shane, that if you told me and I told anyone else in the world, you'd have to kill me. Ooh, you're bringing, you're bringing the hard ones. I'd probably, first of all, you, you did it the right way. You, you looked me up. You knew that I liked IPA. So that's already where, now I'm, I'm a lot closer. I'll probably give you the $100,000 idea. And I think after one more IPA, I'd probably <laughs> give you the million dollar idea. Right? Like we're, I mean, you, you, you're working all the right angles for me. So I think, let me think, the $1 million idea I think would be, you know, it's hard to think about just one thing because everything for me is foundational. I think the one thing is, and this is very cliche, but we talk about the failure thing. It's like failures to be embraced. Like, don't look at that as a bad thing. And taking that first step is is something that just needs to happen. I, I think, and like I said, I know that's very cliche because people, you know, it's like, oh, just you know, keep going, which is true. But I think the the I don't know, man, the one thing, the one million dollar thing, huh? Oh, Michael, you got me on this one. Like I said, I think I would have to go back to the the relationship side of things, you know, making sure that you have those good relationships and, and building out that network, I think is the one thing, because I think people, they, they don't understand the value in that. So, I mean, that would be my one, you know, in retrospect of my life of, you know, I had a lot of great relationships with different people and, and it's been great, but I just think it's about like, if I would have kept a lot of those networks open or at least build deeper relationships in certain networks and businesses or niches that could have paid off, you know, 10 times when it, when I needed help with, starting my agency or doing something like that. So I think once again, developing those relationships and keeping those relationships alive, I think would be my, my, my million dollar idea. And if I come up with my billion dollar idea, we'll have to do a, a, a second podcast and I'll let you know what that one is. Absolutely. I would love it. Listen, Shane, thank you so much for your time. Super interesting conversation. I had a lot of fun on the call today. If my listeners want to get a hold of you, if they want to look you up, where can we send them? Absolutely. So for uh, any kind of consulting, like business development type stuff, you can go to shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. For any kind of content or thought leadership or infographics, all that kind of fun stuff, we put a program together for that. That would be contentsolutions.io. So that's just C-O-N-T-E-N-T-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.io. And then if you need to reach out to me or email, it can just be shane at shanebarker.com. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. And I'll talk to you soon, all right? Sounds good, man. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, everyone. I just want to tell you about a great opportunity. You see, we've had a massive interest lately in learning a second language. And I do a lot of my language training with my very good friend, Ollie Richard. We've been friends for three or four years now, and he's been on my program, and I've been on his program, and he spoke at my conferences, and I've spoke at his conferences. And he really is a genius. His 
techniques for teaching languages are just out of this world. He actually makes it fun and enjoyable. He was one of the main drivers for me rekindling my interest in Spanish. And under his tutelage and his advice and using his programs, I went from really crummy Spanish to quite fluent in a really short amount of time. So if you are looking to learn a second language or maybe even a third language, what I want you to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language forward slash language, and it's going to redirect you to some of Ollie's best courses out there in the world. And there's some special promotions going on, some special opportunities for subscribers of my podcast. So I hope you take us up on this offer and go and check it out. That's expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language to get the best resources in the world for learning a second language. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.